The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, our show today is about listening. And boy, that is such a powerful tool and it's such a powerful relationship opportunity for us when we listen. And we have a wonderful guest with us, Dr. Mark Goldston, who is a medical doctor and a psychiatrist. And he wrote this book that I just finished that I absolutely love. It's called Just Listen, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. And for in my negotiations classes and in my mediation classes and in the training that I train, we have always learned that the most power that you have is when you listen because you learn, you you connect, you understand, and you can reach consensus all because you are able to connect on that much higher level. So let me tell you about this wonderful guest and we'll learn about this fabulous book as well. Um, Mark Golston, MD, is chairman and founder of Extraordinary Outcomes. And we spell that e- just with an X. T-R-A-O-R-D-I-N-A-R-Y, Extraordinary Outcomes. Mark says, if you discover your strengths and come from that, you will certainly succeed. But if you discover your core excellence and come from that, you will achieve results and outcomes beyond your imagination. Mark's specific focus is as a Fortune 500 high-stakes executive coach where he helps high-performing executives to better maximize opportunities and especially to confront their, their issues and finally to resolve conflicts that have been dogging them for many, many months or years. He first trained as a clinical psychiatrist and then honed his skills as an FBI police hostage negotiation trainer who increases people's abilities to get through to anyone. And we all know we have difficult people in our lives that we need these skills. His development of these skills started with his education. He got a BA from UC Berkeley, wonderful school up in Northern California, his medical doctor degree from Boston University, and his postgraduate residency in psychiatry at UCLA. He went on to be a professor at UCLA's internationally renowned Neuropsychiatric Institute for more than 20 years. Then he became a fellow of the American Psychiatric Association, one of the highest 
Um, he got a high award uh, for that organization, and he was named one of America's top psychiatrists for 2000, 2004 and 2005, and again in 2009 and 10 by Washington, D.C.-based Consumers Research Council of America. And even more importantly, he's the author of five books. His most recent one is the one I just told you about that I have sitting right here. Just listen, discover the secret to getting through to absolutely anyone. And that has reached number one, believe it or not, in China and Germany and Amazon Kindle. And he writes a Tribune syndicated career advice column. He blogs for Business Insider, Fast Company, Huffington Post, and Psychology Today. And a partial list of some of the companies he's worked with include Xerox, Ernst & Young, Cisco, Time Warner, Disney, and many, many more. But again, you can go and learn more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com where you see his picture, his bio, we link to his URL. And then, of course, this radio interview is linked there as well. You can also learn more at Extraordinary Outcomes, and that's spelled with the X. T-R-A, ExtraordinaryOutcomes.com. And I'm so thrilled to have you with us. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure, but a little a little coaching. That was too long of an introduction. Okay. <laughs> if I was listening, you would have lost me. But, uh, oh, like, oh, yeah, let, well, you let, weren't listening. Wait a minute. You had to be listening because you wrote this book, Just Listen. <laughs> I know. Well, well, you know, beware of experts who write books on uh, listening <laughs> because they often need to learn how to do it themselves. Well, so you must have learned a lot from being a police hostage negotiation trainer, huh? Uh, I certainly did. What, what I learned, uh, actually... Um, I got into that because I was a suicide specialist. Uh, I'll train people in it now. I'm not really on the front lines, although I've had some recent uh, interventions with people. And uh, what I realized is you have to you have to go to where people are at, because what people uh, are thinking inside themselves are: Do you get it? Do you get my situation? Do you get us? Do you get my environment, the organization, the, the group that I have to deal with? But your real leverage is do you get me? And actually, everything turned around. Uh, I'll share a story. It just changed everything. When I was seeing a highly suicidal woman who uh, had made five attempts, and uh, she came to me out of the hospital, and I didn't think I was making any progress at all, except that that was as long as she had gone without trying to kill herself or be hospitalized. Mm. And uh, there was a uh, a weekend where I was moonlighting, meaning I was working at a, another hospital, and I was really overtired, and she never made eye contact, always looked a little bit to the left or right. And when I was with her, suddenly all the color in the room went away, turned to black and white, and then everything in the room melted, kind of like looking at a desert highway with all these waves of murkiness. And I thought I was having a seizure mm. or a stroke, and so since she never made eye contact, ever, Wow. And rarely spoke. Uh, I did a neurologic exam on myself, and I'm tapping my knees and my elbows, and it wasn't rude because she wasn't looking at me. <laughs> and then I had this crazy idea, Ari, that I was, I was looking at the world through her eyes. Wow. And it was horrendous. And because mm. I was overtired, I said something that, and when I said it, I regretted it, and, and I said to her, I'll change her name, and I said, Nancy, um, I didn't know it was so bad. Mm. And I can't help you kill yourself. Mm. But if you do, I will still think well of you. Mm. And I will miss you. And maybe I'll understand why you had to. Mm. 
Wow. When I said that, I thought I just gave her permission to do it. And she she made eye contact for the first time, and she looked at me. When I looked into her eyes, I realized I had it right. I somehow had seen the world through her eyes. Mm. And I said, what are you thinking? And she looked at me, and then she smiled, and she said, if you can really understand why I might have to kill myself, maybe I won't need to. Right. And so then, you, you actually connected with her at a very psychic level, uh, Absolutely. And, yeah. And so, and so that's, that's kind of been my vantage point. So, uh, and, and, and what Just Listen is about is if you can go to there, there, T-H-E-I-R, yes. T-H-E-R-E, yes. and if you can abandon your here, Y-O-U-R-H-E-R-E, right. what happens is when you get next to people and you're not there to hurt them, People lean into that because most people feel alone and lonely inside. Yes. And when they're in pain, I know I just had a, a mediation yesterday and the people were in, um, it was it was a business dispute and the people were in a great deal of anger and a great deal of pain. And I had them together for a while just so they could speak, but I could see that that really wasn't going to be good enough. And then um, I like to keep people together as much as possible, but then I caucused. And when I went into caucus, I heard such pain, mm. such pain, that my eyes were tearing. And, you know, I, I also have learned that it is so important to listen, and you learn so much. And, um, and, and they both were in a lot of pain, tremendous pain that they didn't share in front of the group, you know. And uh, it was, it was, I could also see, it's amazing how when they really feel heard and listened to, and one of the parties said, you know, no one has listened to me at all. And no one understands me at all and understands what I've gone through in these past six months. And, and, um, and then finally, I think that this person really knew that I did understand and it changed it and we settled. We settled in four hours, but, uh, you know, it was, you're so right when you really are there with that person. And and that's what I love about your book. It says, just listen. It's, it's easier than people think if they would stop and try, stop trying to, um, you know, think what they're going to say to defend themselves. Do you know what I mean? If they really just stay with listening, it, it just transforms the situation. And that's what I love about your book because it shows that all through that. You know, well, thank you. You know, uh, it's interesting. Um, I, I came from a, a, a kind of a tough background, uh, and I was always afraid of bullies. And so I don't think I really looked people in the eyes because, uh, you know, I was afraid. I was afraid that they would be angry at me or, or laugh at me or whatever. And I think what happened is when I got to seeing very, very suicidal people, what I, what I really realized is I was never in danger. Uh, they weren't there to hurt me. All they were thinking about is ending their pain or hurting themselves. And so that caused me to start to not only look into their eyes, but listen into their eyes. Mm. And I think uh, that's what focuses me. Sometimes I can get on a tangent and when I'm giving talks. Uh, I can sometimes, uh, out of some insecurity, go off uh, talking about some story that's irrelevant. And so now whenever I meet people, or whenever I uh, even do a presentation, I just say to myself, just listen into their eyes. Mm. And I think when people feel you listening into their eyes and you are not there to sell them anything or hurt them, people are starved and they lean into it. 
And what I realized is uh, that inside uh, angry people, uh, one of the greatest disconnects in communication I've noticed is that when people behave their worst and they're their most angriest, it's when they feel most powerless. Yes. So inside, they're feeling that they have to scream because nobody in the world is listening. Right. And if you cannot take what they're firing at you between the eyes and then pull back and react or try to protect yourself, and if you keep looking into their eyes and look for that, with time you'll begin to see it. And then what happens is people just, um, people just calm down when you see that. In, in, in fact, one of the things that enabled me to look into people's eyes like that, I was on the uh, cancer wards at UCLA, and there was this oncology patient who I was told had thrown out the last three psychiatrists and psychologists, and the oncologist said to me, good luck, doc. <laughs> and, uh, and I looked in his room, and he just looked really angry. And, uh, and I went down to the stationers because I didn't feel like a big man being a psychiatrist, so I, I bought a new name tag that had my name, and I put on oncology service, and Mari, I walked taller. I felt like a real doctor. <laughs> And, and so I, I go into this man's room, and he smells a rat, because even though I have that tag on, he smells a rat. And I, and I say, I'm here with the team. You know, I'm uh, new and just want to ask you some questions. And, and in my mind's eye, he's sniffing. <laughs> and then I realized uh, that I, I made eye contact with him, and I realized that if I looked down or looked away, I was dead. He'd throw me out again. Mm. And when I looked into his eyes and I saw the anger, I saw something else, and I said to him, what's it like in there? Mm. How bad does it get? And I said it in that firm but not angry tone, and he looked back at me, with a, and he fired back. He said, you don't want to know. Mm. And I kept looking, and I didn't know what I'd say next, but I stayed with his gaze, and I said, you're probably right. I probably don't want to know, but unless someone other than you knows, knows quickly, you're going to go crazy. Mm. And then he looked at me, and there was this, this tension, and then he broke into a big smile, and he said, I'm already there. Pull up a chair. <laughs> and so, I, so I, I think that helped me to realize that if you can just look into people's eyes, mm. and in the back of your mind, you know, unless you're dealing with evil people, that, that's a whole other show. Mm. But um, in my view, with evil people is identify them, get away from them, don't try to convert them, cut your losses. But for everyone else, we're all flawed. You know, cut people some slack. And and I think if you if you look into people's eyes, and you're there with the back of your mind thinking, what's really going on? Yeah, yeah. And they see that they want you know initially they'll look at you and they'll harumph and they'll push back, but I think if you stay centered and say, come on, what's really going on? Right. No, no, you're not, you're not just angry or something else. Tell me. Yes. And then what happens is they they open up to you. You know, how I got into the business world, by the way, is yeah, I, I was going to ask you that. I started doing house calls to dying patients and their families, and one of my original mentors was actually the, the uh, pioneer in suicide intervention, a fellow named Ed Schneidman. He started the Suicide Prevention Center in Washington, Los Angeles. And so I would see dying patients and their families, and, uh, and at the 11th hour, I was able to help them resolve conflicts 
that sometimes were 40 years old, and by the end of my doing it, and I, I do it only intermittently now, it became almost like uh, like boilerplate. I mean, I hate to say yeah. something like that because it was so sensitive, but what I would do is I, I would arrive. I was the unknown entity in the room, so people would check me out, and I'd say, you know, I can tell you a couple things. One, we're running out of time. Two, if after this is over, people are left with regrets or bitterness, uh, it'll be a big failure. So who is the first person that has something to apologize for? And I don't even care if it's accurate, because some of these apologies go back 40 years. They just have to be heartfelt, and the first person to go is the hero. Mm. And then what happened is they just start coming out of the woodwork. Right. And they they want to be the hero. <laughs> Pardon? They want to be the hero at the end. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's amazing. It's amazing the power of a heartfelt apology. You know, I, I cannot tell you when I'm in the middle of trying to help people to come to a resolution in their conflict, it, I tell people, you know what? An apology doesn't cost you a penny. You're not going to have to pay thousands of dollars. Just, you know, this is probably going to help you not to pay thousands of dollars, but it has to be genuine. It has, if it's disingenuous, forget it. Don't even bother. But if you can say, even though you maybe didn't mean to hurt someone, you could say, I'm so sorry that you felt this way. That was not my intention. I, I really do feel very, very sorry that I hurt you because it was never my intent to do that. And that, you know, that is worth a fortune. It's worth years of pain, right? Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. And in fact, one of the things, I'm kind of shy. It may not come across in this interview. What? But, <laughs> but one of the things that's helped me is, uh, and I'm both shy and I'm bold. You know, down deep, I'm Woody Allen, but I act like Clint Eastwood, and I, I kind of <laughs> like the transformation. But but uh, I blog all over the place, Huffington Post and yeah. something called Business Insider, and uh, and and I'm somewhat irreverent, and so I frequently get a comment that rips me apart. But what I what I have found is, uh, you know, and initially I may not like the comment, but there's a part of me that sets myself up for it by being a little irreverent. Yeah. But I always find the morsel of uh, of of sense that the person is saying, and so it's fascinating when I write back, and this is totally earnest. I'll say, you know, I may not be crazy about the style, but I'll tell you, this point that you made over here, if I knew that ahead of time, it would have changed what I said in the blog. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Getting that feedback is a growth opportunity, so I feel the same way. When people, at the end of my class, I always have people give feedback. What did you think was helpful? What What do you suggest? And sometimes I don't want to hear what they suggest, but I know that it's the most helpful feedback because it makes me change in the next class. So, you know, it's great. We are speaking with Dr. Markle Golston, who is a medical doctor and a psychiatrist by trade. And he's also the author of Discover the Secret to Getting, well, just listen, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. You know, when when we talk about listening, let's clarify that for the audience. You know, we have students here who listen in class. We have business people who listen to their partners or their customers. What exactly do we mean by listening? Well, you have the 
you haven't really listened to another person until they exhale. Okay. And, and what that means is that initially, you know, people, initially people share information or if they're venting at you, they're sharing frustration, they're getting something off their chest. And, and if you cannot react to what they're saying, if you can just take it in and not take it personally, people will convert over from the frustration to the hurt. That's why, you know, in all these B-movies where people are angry and then they hug and kiss and whatever, that you see that frequently in which it starts out where people are venting. And I'm a medical doctor, so you'll have to excuse the ugly metaphor. It's like pulling a scab off of pus. <laughs> oh, I told you it would be ugly. <laughs> I, I hope this doesn't play too close to a mealtime. But, uh, but it really is. And, and, and the thing is, um, when you do that and pus drains, it, it's kind of like venting, but then under pus is blood. It, 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 it's clean. It, it cleans the wound. And it heals. Uh, and then it heals. You're yeah. absolutely right, and it heals. And if you don't allow that to happen, ooh, you're good, Mari. You're in this, you're in this, this ugly metaphor with me. <laughs> if you don't let it drain, it heals with an abscess. Right. And so, uh, so the key is, um, uh, when I, I, there, there's a, uh, there's a training that I do called Hurricane Conflict Mastery, and I'm going to India uh, in the uh, 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 Soon. Near future uh, <laughs> to teach that. And the idea is that in the eye of a hurricane, it's calm. Right. And in the, and in the middle of a conflict, which can feel like a hurricane when someone's coming at you, there is a solution that people can live with and walk away with and what I push for is not just that, but something that you don't have a Greer's remorse to. So it, it, it should be something where when you go back to someone else, that other person doesn't say to you, you let them roll you, you let them run over you. Right. And, and I think if you, can, if you can know that that exists and just stake a claim to that space, it's amazing how centered you could be. One of the greatest examples, something else that I write about in, in my book, is there's a formula called aggression plus principle equals conviction. It's good to be aggressive, but you, you want to tie it to a principle. Aggression minus principle equals hostility. Mm. And the best example of a centered person I've ever seen, I was watching Colin Powell in 1995. He was uh, a presidential candidate and it was in the Dallas Auditorium, there were 10,000 people, and he was talking about how, how grateful he was to his, uh, his community, uh, how grateful he was to be American. And this was a big real estate convention, not necessarily the most sensitive people, and it was 11.30 in the morning, and during the question and answer uh, time, one person said, excuse me, General Powell, I understand that your wife was depressed, I think she might have had shock treatment or went to a mental hospital, you want to comment on that? And the whole audience went deathly quiet, like, who is this idiot? Oh, my God. And I thought, what is General Powell going to do? Is, mm -hmm. he, going to, uh, is he going to be politically correct? Is he going to cry like Edmund Muskie did uh, 20 years earlier? Uh, is he going to ignore the person? This is what he said, uh, and, and you can tell me what you feel as I recreated. He looked at the person, and he said, excuse me, sir, 
The person you love more than anyone in this world is living in hell, and you don't do everything you can to get them out. Do you have a problem with that, sir? Mm. And and so what's the principle? The principle is talk to me about anything, but don't you don't you dare talk about my family. Mm. Yeah. But can you feel that power? Yes. And 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 just standing in in his truth too. Absolutely. Absolutely, standing in his truth. So you also mentioned in your book about um, neuroscience has coined the term mirror neuron receptor deficit. What What is that without making it so technical that we don't understand? Okay. Uh, in the late 1980s, they discovered in uh, macaque monkeys, that, uh, and they actually called them monkey see, monkey do right. neurons, they discovered that when one monkey does something, the other monkey imitates them. Mm. And so uh, what they call this area of the brain uh, is the mirror neuron area, meaning that it mirrors other people. And so uh, you mirror what other people do. When they yawn, you yawn. But it's also proving to be the site for imitation learning and empathy. Mm. And when it's deficient, it's a site associated with autism. I see. But what I uh, came up with uh, mm-hmm. from my experience for 30 years is that when you mirror the outside world and you conform to the outside world, but it feels like nobody is caring about you, when suddenly someone is kind to you, uh, there's this gap that you have, and when someone is kind and caring, you start to cry. And the reason you start to cry is because that mirror neuron receptor deficit, that gap between you're caring about the world, but the world not caring about you suddenly uh, suddenly ends. And by the way, that's one of the reasons we are drawn uh, to tearjerker movies. And in all those tearjerker scenes when people, there's been a big rift between two people, and they suddenly resolve it, you know, those are the most memorable scenes in movies, uh, something you probably listeners won't remember, but their parents were, was a movie called As Good As It Gets, Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. Right. And there's just this famous scene where Jack Nicholson is being his ornery self, and he says to Helen Hunt, I, I, I have a compliment I want to give you. She backs up and says, I don't think I'm going to like this. And he says one of his kind of, uh, you know, his uh, Jack Nicholson comments. And, he, and he, what he says to her is, you know, I have this condition called OCD, and I'm supposed to take medicine with it. I hate taking medicine. But since I met you, I decided to take the medicine. Mm. And she looks at him and kind of looks puzzled and says, I, I don't get it. I, how is that a compliment? And then he just softens and he looks at her and he says, uh, I did it because you make me want to be a better man. Yeah. And then she says, and I'm crying remembering the scene, and then she says, uh, I think that's about the best thing that anyone has ever said to me. So that's a screen version of, how, of what happens when a mirror neuron gap is closed. And that's a, that's a perfect way to end. For us to be able to, to have that mirror neuron receptor and, and fill that deficit, what do we need to do? The simple secret to solving any relationship problem, but you've got to want to solve it instead of being right, right, is to pause and say to yourself, What's it like for the other person right now? All right. What are they feeling right now? And you can even guess and say, are you feeling more hurt, disappointed, or angry? 
Uh, but you don't even have to know. You can just pause and say, you know, I don't think you like where this was going. I didn't know where this was. I didn't like where this was going. What's going on with you? And then all we have to do is just listen. And that is how we're going to end, Mark. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. And we will have people go and look at this wonderful book, Just Listen, Discover the Secret to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. And we'll have you back again. Thank you so much, Mark, and and safe travels in India. Well, you listen very well. Thank you, Mary. (laughs) Okay, take care. Best to you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org in the net. I'm the host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 830 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com and write us emails to find out more about resolving conflict in your life. Thank you. It's about trust. Yeah, yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.